Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Today with me is 1998 Indiana Mr. Basketball and Indiana Hoosier, Tom Coverdale. Tom, thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to uh, share, share, share your memories of Indiana high school basketball and your college basketball experience. No, thanks for having me. Tom, what was your first recollection of the game of basketball? When, you know, what's your first? Can you go way back and what's your first memory of the game, and how did you get caught up in it? Well, for me, it was you know I had two older brothers, Brad, who's just five years older than me, and Mark, who's seven. So, you know, from a young age, you know, being that much younger than them and seeing them play basketball, you know, outside all the time you know, all you want to do is play with, with your older brother. So, of course, being that young, when I was four or five and they were, you know, nine, ten and, and older, they they were always out there playing. So I was out there trying to play with older kids at a young age. And, of course, my mom made them let me, made them, uh, let me play. So that was probably a good thing, getting, that, getting started playing against older guys at that young of an age at four or five. So that's probably my earliest recollection of, just wanting to be and play basketball all the time. Was there anybody at that point, you know, when you're five or six years old that you kind of looked up to or um, kind of a, a poster that you had on your bedroom wall of any ba basketball players at that time? Um, I remember having the old it, it was Dream Team poster, but it, it said Dream Team, but it wasn't the original Dream Team. It just had five people like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Barkley, Isaiah, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, really growing up, especially in the town of Noblesville, where, you know, at that time, everybody went to the high school games at a young age. And my, and my parents had season tickets that were two or three rows behind the bench. So um, I, I would go to every one of those games and really looked up to the high school players. And at that point, you know, my goal was just to be able to play um, at Noblesville High School. 
So um, at a young age, just going to those high school games and seeing the atmosphere, you know, I think it's really changed the way the high school atmosphere is now compared to then. But then with it almost being sold out every game and, and going and, and playing it, you can't help as a kid want to play in that environment. Do you remember your first high school basketball game you went to? I do not remember the first one I went to. Um, with with, with at, at Noblesville, though, you know, you were just talking about your parents having season tickets, three rows behind the bench, and and what kind of atmosphere was it like uh, in the Noblesville gym? It, it was it was great. You know, they the, they you know back in those days, they kind of turned all the lights out in the stand, so it was like a spotlight on the court. Um, and, you know, it, they were really good back then growing up in the, you know, the late 80s and early 90s. So, um, you know, then once I got into junior high, you know, my old Brad, my old, one of my older brothers played at the high school level and had a good career. So going to all those games and watching that. But, you know, then just the old high school basketball atmosphere, you couldn't beat that back in the day. What kind of before you got to Noblesville as a freshman? What kind of uh, what kind of history did Noblesville have in basketball? Was it a pretty successful tradition? Um, I would say it's pretty successful. They they had a you know uh, made it to a couple regionals, but that's really the far you know. Then they went to one semi state in the sixties. So it was really good. They got to regional a lot, but they had to go up against and go to Anderson. And you remember all the good Anderson teams back in the day. So they'd run up against them and, and fall short, but, um, was definitely had some great players, you know, like Scott Hafner who made it in the NBA and was an Indian all-star Tony Etchison, who I grew up watching Larry Simmons. They, I mean, so many great players, um, that came through there with great teams. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a great town if you love basketball to grow up in. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think 1963 they reached the semi-state. Uh, Gary Cox played on that Noblesville team that went on. Yeah. He went on and played at uh, Butler University and had a successful career. Yeah, they had a lot of great players through that through that era and, and, a, and a lot of great teams. Was basketball your favorite sport? Was uh, Did you play a little baseball? Did you play any football? Or did you just focus on uh, basketball? Well, basketball is always my favorite sport, and, and growing up all through junior high, I played baseball and football. Um, but once I got to high school, I knew that if if I played football, and you know we made it far in the tournament, I'd miss some high school basketball games, and, and I just never wanted that to happen. So, um, you know, I, I quit every sport and just concentrate on basketball once I got to high school, just because. You know, playing AAU and summer ball, you know, I knew I had a chance to be really good if I put a lot of time into it. So that's just kind of a decision I made moving forward, you know, on top of the fact where I didn't want to miss any time of the basketball season. Uh, gr- growing up and before you got to high school, did you did you have a favorite college that you uh, followed or a NBA team that you followed? Are you, you, you really fancy? Yeah, I mean, uh, my whole family was big IU fans growing up. So I, I just remember, you know, all the time growing up, you know, my dad, I would just, I would be shooting baskets outside all the time. And every time the game would come on, you know, he would come get me so we could start watching it. And then right when the game was over, go right back out and start shooting again in the driveway. So, you know, it was always a dream of mine to play at Indiana and, and go there and play for Coach Knight. So, you know, I was just one of the lucky ones that, that I was able to fulfill it. 
Once you got to Noblesville, did you have instant success in basketball? I mean, did you start as a freshman? I did start as a freshman and, and you know, led us in scoring as a freshman, but we had we didn't have a very good record at all. When, when my freshman year was the uh, first year coach Dave McCullough um, got the job at Noblesville, came from North Judson. So he kind of came in and changed everything, you know, the, the the preseason conditioning and everything was really extremely hard. And we had a bunch of seniors who had been there and, and really decided not to play because it, it was, it was, you know, for one reason or another, I, I think some of them quit just because the conditioning was so hard and they didn't want to go through that in their senior year. So that really opened the table and set it for our future. As far as me, I think we started me and two other sophomores. Um, so, you know, it allowed us to get a lot of experience early. I think we won eight games our freshman year, but after that sophomore year and on, we were really good. Now, the new coach took over uh, for Dave Nicholson, correct? Uh, no, Pete Smith. Okay. Yeah. Nicholson was before Pete Smith. So were you kind of – was it a change that you, you, you saw coming in junior high before you got to high school? Did you, I mean, did, did you just embrace it? Um, you know, you, at that point, you just want to play. You never know. You don't know anything about the new coach. And Coach Smith took a job, I think, at Penn High School. And, um, you know, we knew nothing about Coach McCullough except for, you know, from day one, he just said the best players are going to play regardless of class. So, you know, I just took that as an opportunity and worked extremely hard. And he, you know, it's probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me is him getting that job because he pushed me to levels, you know, I didn't think I could get to as a player, um, you know, just even when my junior and senior year continuing to push me and not baby me and stuff. So, um, you know, like I said, it's probably the best thing that happened to me in my career. Was Noblesville in a conference or did you guys, did you guys travel a lot while you played, when you played high school basketball or, you know, just in the area of Noblesville? Uh, I mean, we were in the, I think the Olympic conference at that time, which was pretty good with, you know, I think the farthest we had traveled, maybe Huntington. I mean, we definitely traveled and all throughout central Indiana and up north, but, um, you know, it was definitely a good conference. And then of course, you know, back in those days with, without class basketball, you know, the tournament was an unbelievable atmosphere and, and something I wish they never changed. And and that that changed your senior year. Is that correct? Yes, we uh, the last year one one class basketball was my junior year. And what did you guys think about that change? I know I've I've read some stuff in researching to to chat with you, and you know you liked it the way it was. It wasn't broke. Why did they try it and fix it? Yeah, I just think that you know if you look at I mean you look at the crowds at the state tournament now, and they're nowhere near what they used to be. It's just because you know, everybody looked at that tournament as their one chance. And even if you're a smaller school, you know, I remember growing up in a school like Sheridan beating the Carmel or Noblesville, that was like, that's like winning a state championship for them. And, um, you know, they, now that, you know, it's all equal. Yeah. More people win, but you know, it, it's not the, in my eyes, you know, every school, regardless of how many is there, puts five players on the floor and it's how hard you work and how better you, how much better you get. So, you know, I liked it the old way. And then, you know, going into our senior year, when it, when it switched to class basketball, you know, we had 
I think we were ranked seventh in the state, and Pike, who ended up winning the state championship, was ranked second and had Chris Thomas, who was another Mr. Basketball and two Indiana All-Stars. And then ranked fifth in the state was North Central with Jason Gardner, who was a Mr. Basketball. So you had three Mr. Basketballs in three consecutive years all in the same sectional, and it it just really took away from you know, games that would have been played in maybe the Final Four or definitely semi-state. What was the atmosphere at, like in your gymnasium when you played, and did it feel like you it gave you an edge when you played? Yeah, no question. We had huge crowds in high school at Melville, and even on the road, you know, especially when, you know, you commit to go to a school like Indiana. You know, it, to me, it was a lot of fun going on the road just because it would be – a lot of packed houses and you, you got to play in front of a lot of people that didn't come to a lot of, you know, all your home games. So, you know, high school back in those days, like I said, the atmosphere was unbelievable. And, and just having that sense of community where you had the whole town behind you is something that you, you know, I still am close with a lot of the guys I played with in high school. And, you know, it, it's so much different than college because you're playing for a town and a community. Uh, AAU ball. Did you play a lot of AAU ball? Yeah. Um, you know, every summer I played on a team called Hoosier Heat. Back in those days, it was more high school coaches that coached that. And luckily for me, um, J.R. Holmes, the Bloomington South head coach, was our coach for coached me for six or seven straight summers. So, you know, now he's a Hall of Fame Indiana basketball coach and has won a couple state championships. So, you know, having going from Coach McCullough and transitioning into another Hall of Fame coach every summer, you know, definitely helped me. Um, you know, AAU back in those days was, you know, we had all the, you know, what we thought a lot of the best players in the state all on one, one team, and you know, won I think six or seven straight AAU state championships, and then went to um, when we went to nationals, we got third one year and fourth one year. So just you know, and a lot of the kids that I played against in college, you know, you remember in, in a lot of those summer games that you got to play at a national level. So it was definitely a lot of fun. What was a- AAU? Did you, did you try out for a team? Were you invited? Were you recruited? How, how did that work? Um, it was basically recruited. I mean, they, there was a lot of good players in the Southern part of the state that got together and they asked, you know, me and, and some other guys from the North and we, you know, the dads just kind of got together and said, let's put this team together. And, and from that point on, at a young age, from 10 or 11, we were together the next five to six years. You know, like Darnell Archie, who played at Butler, and John Holmes, who was an all-star and went to North Carolina, Bloomington South, um, you know, and had a, a lot of, you know, Charles Hetty and Jared Chambers and Adam Seitz, who all went to Evansville. So, you know, growing up, you know who a lot of the, best players in the state are and we just decided to get the whole team together and try to compete at a national level which was a lot of fun uh, has aau changed a lot since you played yeah definitely you know i coached six years and you know like i said it's a lot of different types of coaches out there you know a lot back in the day um you know it was a lot of high school coaches and structured offenses and still you know kind of more like the high school game where now it's kind of i feel like you know, just throw the ball out there and go play and play as many games as possible. So, 
you know, not to mention there's so many different tournaments out there, you know, in Vegas and Orlando and all that, just with the Nike and Adidas and everybody fighting over different teams where back in our day, um, you know, you had your, every state had a state team, state uh, tournament and the top two teams, depending on how many teams, I think in the end, I got three or four in, but came into one big tournament um, and you had a national championship. So that was a lot of fun just being able, you know, where there was one tournament where you had to get through your state and then go to national and then they seated you there was a lot of fun where now it's kind of diluted down to where there's six or seven just because of all the shoe deals. Did you guys ever play against municipal gardens? Um, no, they were a lot, but actually when I was growing up and, and just playing in the Noblesville league, I went there and played in that league just because my dad wanted me to play against better competition and kind of the downtown Indianapolis kids that were better athletes. So I went there and played for a season in their regular season. And, and that really helped me a lot, prepared me for high school. But AUIs, they, they really, that was more in kind of the Damon Bailey era where they kind of created a team where we already had the team with together with, with all that. They didn't really have much of a team when uh, I was in high school. Tom, when did you get on the uh, recruiting uh, trail? Did I mean, do you remember your first letter? I do. I was a freshman in college, and it was from Syracuse. But I think they sent a letter to probably 500 kids at that time. But <laughs> when when you're a freshman, and you know, of course, I never heard from them again. But when you get that first letter, you can't believe a school is actually looking at you. Um, and then. After my freshman year and into my sophomore year, it really picked up as far as, you know, all the the uh, local schools like Butler, Ball State, um, Indiana, and Purdue were looking at me, um, but really hadn't had a scholarship offer until beginning of my junior year. So, um, you know, and, and to be honest with you, I really didn't have a ton of um, big high major schools offer me at that time. You know, I, I committed to IU after my junior year, but the other offers I had were Butler, Ball State, Valparaiso, um, a lot of the MAC schools in the Midwest. Um, Purdue was recruiting me for a while um, and decided to pick Maynard Lewis over me, so their scholarships were gone. Um, but, you know, I was waiting on Indiana, and they knew I really wanted to go there, so at the end of the my junior year when they offered me, you know, I, I just shut it down and said, that's where I'm going. Did Coach Knight ever come and watch you play? Yeah, he came to a, a couple games in high school. What? Uh, I think the, it was, it, was, it wasn't at Noblesville, though. It was on the road. And, and what was Did you know that he was in the crowd before the game started? Um, I did not, but you kind of, it's hard not to tell that he's there once the game starts and everybody's looking in a certain direction. <laughs> Did you have good games, both of those games? Uh, I think I had pretty good games. You know, I had nothing that really stood out and like, I didn't have a great game, but you know, obviously good enough for him to continue to recruit me. I, I think most of their recruitment, they, they came to a lot of AAU and summer games, you know, especially, I mean, we had a whole tournament in Bloomington and he came to all of those games. So, um, he knew he got to see a lot of the kids over the summer and that's their main recruiting time anyway. Now I know you wore the Indiana university, uh, colors, but, um, 
Is there another school that possibly, if, if you wouldn't have gone to Indiana University, where would have Tom, Tom Coverdale played? Um, it's really hard to say, but probably Butler. I, I was supposed to take my official visit there um, the weekend, and, and IU called me on Thursday um, and, and offered me a scholarship. And I don't know if that visit had anything to do with it or not, but once I did that, I shut it down, and, and I called. I think Sad Motto was the assistant there and recruited me, and I called and told him I had to cancel my visit because of the offer. And, you know, he was real gracious and really liked him as a recruiter. So I was set to take my first official visit to Butler that weekend um, before Indiana offered. So it, it probably would have been there. Did Coach Knight come to your house during the recruiting process? No, he did not. It was I think he knew me and my family were big Indiana fans. He didn't have to put that much time. If he wanted me, he just had to call and say, let's go, and I was going to say yes. So, um, you know, just to, you know, we would go down to games and meet with him after game, me and my parents and stuff like that, but nothing ever at the house. So at the beginning of the senior year, did you even have – did you – was it even in your mind that at the end of the year you were going to be named uh, Indiana Mr. Basketball? Um, no, I mean, they pick, you know, I got picked for junior all-stars that played against the seniors and, you know, I knew there was probably five or six guys that were really good that could win it. And I was one of those five or six, but you're not really thinking about that going into the senior year. You know, my junior year, we made it all the way to semi-state and had a really good team coming back. So you're just more concentrated on having a really good year and, and getting as far as you can in the tournament. So, and, and I just was a you know believer. And I think Coach McCullough did a good job of scaring me away from all of that stuff, even though there was talk about it, keeping me focused. So it wasn't a big focus of mine, um, you know, during the year. It's just something you think about after, you know, after all the claims. So where were you when you got the phone call or got the news that you hadn't been named, you had been named Indiana Mr. Basketball, and did you have to keep it a secret for a little while? Uh, no, I didn't have to. I, I actually was on my senior year spring break, and I was with about 30 of my classmates at, um, from Noblesville, and we went to Panama City. So um, I had to go out there late because we had the top 40 workout, and the guy who ran it told my coach, like, hey, if he wins it, we're letting everybody know Wednesday night. So let him know to be in his room by the phone Wednesday night. So we had all my friends there and, you know, just waiting to see if I won. And so there's probably 25 people in our hotel room. And um, I got the phone call and, you know, got to celebrate with all my high school friends. So it, it was a, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, of course you're sitting there and you're like, I oh, God, I hope I win it with all these people here. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's something I'll never forget. So what was the Indiana all-star experience like for you that year? Uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, you get to play, um, you know, with all these guys that you, you played against. Um, in the past, you know, like Maynard Lewis and Clef Delaney and Rylan Hingey, people like that, um, and be teammates with them. But the, the funnest part is, you know, you're, tra you're together for two weeks back at that time. You know, you travel to Kentucky together, you play a game, you play two games against the junior All-Stars. 
we got to play against the juniors at Noblesville High School, which was a lot of fun. Um, and just being with those guys for two weeks, it really prepares you and gets you ready for what the college game's going to be like. You know, we were all coming in as freshmen, but we were all basically D1 athletes, and that's really the first time you get to compete every day in practice and, and experience that. So as it came closer to going to Indiana University, were you a little bit nervous when you uh, got on campus? And, you know, what was what were some of the major obstacles that you had to, to overcome to get rid of those nerves? Well, I think first practice, and I'll never forget Midnight Madness, you know, how nervous you are because you dreamed of being at that moment your whole life. But, you know, I think after a while, you just it, it becomes the norm at practice every day, and you're just trying to get better and better. You know, I obviously, my main concern was just getting better as a player, as a freshman, because I wasn't very good at the college level my freshman year. So, you know, that my main concentration, um, you know, I knew it was going to be tough to get minutes with, you know, three senior guards that have already had playing time with Michael Lewis and A.J. Guyton and Luke Jimenez. So um, coming in as a freshman, it was all about just getting better, especially defensively, and, and uh, just trying to work my way into the lineup, which didn't happen, but it definitely paid off um, for, the, for the following three years. And you played for Co- – Coach Knight was your coach for one year. Is that correct? Yeah, his last year was my freshman year. What was a practice like with Coach Knight, and what kind of mental uh, toughness did you have to have to uh, go through that? And do you appreciate it now? I mean, I think everybody sees Coach Knight as just everybody focused on when he was really, really mad and and going, you know, yelling and stuff. But really a practice that would happen maybe two or three times the whole time, you know, in, in a two- or three-hour practice. There was so much teaching going on, and he was such a genius X and O's-wise that you're just trying to soak it all in. I mean, he was – he paid such attention to detail that you're learning so much every single day. And as a, you know, basketball player and fan, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're just trying to soak all that up. Um, you know, and obviously when he got upset, he got very upset, but I think that's what a lot of, but you know, he would joke around with us and laugh just as much as he would yell. So, you know, I think a lot of, unless you're at practice every day and a part of the team, you don't see that side of him. Uh, was uh, Tom Coverdale ever in the doghouse, and how did you get out with Coach Knight? I don't even think I was in the doghouse because <laughs> I never, I never played anyway. I don't even know if he was, if he knew I was on the team. <laughs> but um, no, in all seriousness, I mean, he was mainly focused on the the guys that were playing. I mean, yeah, he coached me up a lot, but. Um, I was never really in the doghouse because the main people that were in the doghouse made mistakes during games. So that was one thing I didn't have to worry about. What was your thought process and uh, along with the team's thought process when, you know, uh, coach was let go? I think just a lot of disappointment because, I mean, you go there at that point to play for him. So there was a lot of people talking about transferring and everything and, um, you know, I, I was not one of them because, you know, I, I had come to Indiana. I was, uh, you know, didn't play hardly at all my freshman year. So, you know, where was I going to go that was equal to Indiana? You know, nobody, nobody would, would, would have recruited me at a high level because they hadn't seen me really play in college. So, 
um, from my standpoint, it was just wondering who the next coach is going to be and just trying to move on as hard as it was because, you know, growing up, you want to play for him and never really got the opportunity except for practice. So I, I knew I was going to get a really good shot my sophomore year. So that was just, it was just disappointment and trying to keep everybody from leaving. So we had a good team the next year. And how did coach Davis, you know, once coach Davis was, was, was named the coach, how did he kind of, did he kind of pull you guys together and kind of uh, glue you guys together? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest day was, you know, after he was named coach, he had a press conference and the very next morning he said, you know, meet at the track at 5:30 AM. And it, it was probably the hardest workout we've ever been through. You know, I think seven players out of the whole team finished the workout and the other ones were either hurt or throwing up or whatever. And he was basically setting the tone to where, you know, things aren't going to change just because I'm coach, you're not going to let up, you know, um, and think it's going to be easier. So from that point on, it was just kind of, you know, the culture was already set with what Coach Knight had done for so many years, and it just kind of propelled forward and kept the work ethic and the way we did things kind of kept going forward. The national championship uh, game run that you guys had, did you guys foresee that? Did you think it was something that you guys could do? What was your what was your thought process during that season? Um, I think, you know, what a lot of people don't remember is we started that season out seven and five and lost a Butler, um, in Conseco and, and that brought us to seven and five. And at that point, you know, Indiana had made, I don't know what it was, something between 18 or 19, something like that, uh, tournament, NCAA tournaments in a row. And everybody was talking, you know, it's this team that's not going to make it. So that was really a crossroads of our season. And, and from that point on, we started to play really well. And I, I think we won 10 out of our last 12 Big Ten games. So we knew going into the tournament we were peaking at the right time. Uh, the teams we had lost to were, uh, you know, really good teams. Illinois, who was the number one seed, and, and you know, you know, Iowa in the Big Ten, Big Ten championship game. So... Um, or the semifinal, but, you know, going into it, you know, it's really all about the draw. We knew we had a good enough team where we could play with anybody, you know, when you're getting to it, you just, we see that we can play Duke in the sweet 16. You're just wanting to get there and have that opportunity. Cause we knew if, if we could have that opportunity, you know, the, and at that point they had won, I think 15 straight games. So we were just, trying to win those first two games and you have to have some luck go your way you know UNC Wilmington beat USC in the first round us not having to play that athletic of a team and UNC Wilmington was a good team but you know we were more athletic and felt like a better team than them so you got to have breaks go your way and then obviously just have things go your way against Duke to beat them a good team like that so you know like I said going into the tournament we knew we could make a run and play with anybody, but you never know what's going to happen until it's, you know, it's going on. And uh, matter of fact, I think I'm still hoarse from that Duke game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, like I said, you know, after we won that game, that's probably the loudest. It was so loud. You couldn't hear if that makes sense. Um, as far as, even someone talking right in front of your face. So it, it was an atmosphere and a moment you'll, you'll remember for the rest of your life. 
during the tournament, when and you 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 rolled your ankle, right? Yeah, I I rolled it in the first round game against Utah, and then um, against Kent State in the Elite Eight games. Do you think that what was what was the what was the team what was the team's mindset like going into the national championship game? Uh, I mean, you, you think at that point when you've won you know, five straight games against that level of competition, you feel like you can beat anybody. And I'm sure Maryland felt the same way. So um, there's a, just a level of confidence that you feel like you're the best team in the country. And we, of course, felt like that and felt like we were going to win the game. So, um, you know, at, at that point, the only thing, you're, you know, you, you feel like you can beat anybody. So you're just going into it. Just, you know, it's the biggest game in your life that once – you start playing, it's just any other game, and instincts kick in, and you just start playing. So after the national championship game, the, the locker room atmosphere, were you guys disappointed? Were you guys down on yourself? How? Uh, give us kind of an inside look on that. Yeah, I mean, at the time, you're devastated. Everybody was. Um, you know, you're that close to your, your ultimate dream of why you played basketball and went there, and you, you know, had the lead with eight minutes to go and just come up short. Um so, you know, at that point, you're not really looking at everything you accomplished. You're looking at the disappointment of what just happened. So, you know, it took probably a week to, you know, really for it to sink in what we did accomplish because you're so hung up on the loss. So that summer in between your junior and senior year, um, did you work extremely hard? Because I know uh, during the ACC Big Ten Challenge, you guys play Maryland and, and you just had uh, an incredible basketball game. Yeah, I mean, that whole summer, you know, you look at the schedule when it comes out, and we knew we were going to play them. And, you know, it wasn't the same players. A lot of people had moved on, but to us and the people that were there, it meant a lot to us. So, we, you know, we worked extremely hard, just like we had every other year in the summer, just preparing for that season and got off to a great start. And that was, that was a big moment that year is being able to beat them uh, in that game. Man, 30 points and only one turnover. Well, it was probably it was probably the best game I played in my college career, um, just from an all around game. Um, but you know, it was just a fun atmosphere, and you know, one that I was looking forward to and wanted to, you know, try to get a little bit of payback. You know, they still have the national championship, so you'd much rather have that win than the one our of senior course. year. And so what's your mindset going through your senior year? Um, are you, are you thinking beyond your senior year of what you, do you want to continue in basketball? What path do you take after your senior year? Uh, I knew I wanted to play, um, after that year, but you know, during that, you're not thinking about the next year. You know, I knew I wasn't an NBA lottery pick or anything. So I had nothing to really think about except for my senior year and trying to have the best record and do the best we can that year. And then, you know, you really don't start thinking about that until, you know, after the season's over. And take us the route after you uh, get out of IU. Take us the route you went in basketball. Um, when I first got out, I was playing on the Trailblazers Summer League team. Um, and after that, in the first year out, I played on the CBA in Rockford, Illinois for a year. Um, and then went to Germany for a little bit the second year. Um, and then just decided to get out of basketball as far as playing. I, I wanted to get into coaching at a young age just because 
I knew I could probably play in Europe for eight to 10 years. Um, but you know, it, it really wasn't for me once I got over there, just being how close I am to friends and family. So, um, you know, I'm glad I experienced it and glad I got went over there, but, uh, just decided to come home and get into coaching. So, uh, coach college ball for six years, uh, Louisiana Monroe university, which is at the Sunbelt conference. And then at Tyler junior college in Texas for two years. So, um, being in the South, you know, where it's not really basketball crazy, it's all football kind of weird on me a little bit towards the end, but, you know, and then, you know, just kind of get into a crossroads after my coaching career is, you know, like kind of what's most important to me and, you know, being around friends and family and being back home was probably the most important, you know, I still miss basketball and, and the coaching aspect of it, but I, I definitely am cherishing, cherishing being able to be home and be a friends and family and, knowing when I do have kids that, you know, I'm not going to have to worry about moving every four to five years like you have to do as a coach. So it was definitely a great decision coming home and getting out of coaching and, you know, as happy as ever now, just living in Fishers and, and being around all my family. How did the uh, coaching doors open up for you? Um, actually, the when I was looking for a job, uh, Pat Knight, who I had kept in contact with, knew a guy that had an opening, and he was the one that connected me uh, in Louisiana with the guy, and that's how I got started. Do you still today, when you're walking around town, do you still, you know, that, that title, that title is almost worth more, in my opinion, than Oscar winner or Grammy winner, that Indiana, Indiana Mr. Basketball. You still, you still love people coming up to you and chatting with you about that? Yeah, it's always fun to talk to people when they come up to me and stuff and you know that's something that no one can ever take away from me so it's something you know I'll always cherish and Noblesville will always have as well so um, it's definitely you know it's definitely fun to talk to people and, and and talk about old memories and stuff you know when I do these shows I, there are certain questions I like to ask just because I'm intrigued maybe maybe they're sick maybe they're not but uh, travel. What was travel like during uh, your uh, college days, and and any funny stories uh, related to travel? I mean, there's a million stories, and then that's the funnest part of being on a college team or an atmosphere like that. You know, at Indiana, you know, if we had a game, say Monday night or, or Tuesday night on Monday, we'd stay home. We have, have a full day of class and then practice, and then when practice ended at six, we'd go and, you know, have our own private plane um, that seated about 20 people. So, you know, we had the whole team and coaches on that. And then we'd just fly directly to the city. And, you know, the whole time you're on the plane, it's just, I mean, you get 15 college kids. It's going to be fun and a fun atmosphere. So, um, you know, those are the probably the best memories you'll ever have. Uh, just being a, being a part of a team and being able to travel together like that and eat at really nice restaurants and stay at nice hotels. And, you know, um, at the time you're, you're, you're a stupid college kid and you think that's the norm, but it's not at all. <laughs> you realize how spoiled we really were. Did you have a favorite place to play in the uh, big 10 was it that you felt like the bucket was yours or the, the rims were kind to you? Um, I always felt like Minnesota, just with the background, was a really good shooting gym. Um, you know, I always felt like, you, you know, you could hit shots there. But 
as far as atmosphere-wise, when I was in college, really Illinois and Michigan State were a lot of fun. Just well, for one thing, they were really good, you know, every year. Um, so, I, I mean, I think the the thing about the Big Ten is every atmosphere is really good, especially when their team's good, you know. So every every place is going to be tough, and and um, you know those Illinois teams when they were ranked in the top five, and then obviously Michigan State was ranked up there the whole time when they were ranked number one one year. So playing in those arenas when they have a top five team is a lot of fun. Uh, tell us a little bit. Give us a little insight on the Purdue Indiana rivalry. I mean, is that a game you guys prepared for a little bit more? Um, I think you prepare for every game the same, but when it's Purdue Indiana, every there's a little more of an edge and excitement to get to the game because you know what the rivalry is, and um, you know, especially you know when we played, you know, they they, they were in kind of some of their down years so you know we felt like we if we jumped on them early we, we could handle that we did for the most part except for our senior year so just a lot of fun memories um, you know it's going to be a little extra especially for the fans but preparing wise it's the same as far as preparing for the game but the excitement level you can definitely feel a different intensity in the crowd when you're playing in one of those games during your college career who, uh, where did you play that you felt like um the, the fans were almost as passionate or even more passionate than Indiana University fans? Uh, probably, I mean, I don't think anywhere compared to Indiana. You know, that might be a hometown answer. Um, you know, there's a lot of fans that were out there that, you know, probably are close, but I don't think anybody's as passionate and as knowledgeable as Indiana fans when it comes to basketball knowledge and you know, understanding hustle plays and making good plays that don't involve scoring, um, as Indiana fans do. What does Indiana Mr. Basketball Tom Coverdale do today? Uh, I work for American Family Insurance and do commercial insurance and, you know, business insurance and then also, you know, home, auto, and life stuff. So I'm in the office and Fishers and the Patrick O'Brien agency and, you know, everything's going really well. I love it here and, you know, I still get to help people and in the need that they need. Obviously, everybody needs insurance, so <laughs> it's uh, they don't like it, but they need it. So it, it, it's good. You know, it gives me a lot of freedom and, and still gets me a great chance to get out and network and meet people. And, um, you know, like I tell people, anytime I can play in a golf outing, and that's considered work if, if I'm complaining something's wrong with me. So... <laughs> And was, um, it, it's definitely definitely going really well. And was it another Indiana Mr. Basketball that got you into that situation? Uh, yeah, Dave Shepard, you know, when I first got home um, and got out of coaching um, and I ran into him at a, or a, a buddy at a Colts game that knew him and we had lunch and kind of got me involved in the industry and then ended up coming over to American Family um, and, and it's been great since. Tom, what? Um, how can I phrase this question? Um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about the state of Indiana University basketball today? Do you still follow them? Uh, do you think it's going in the right direction? Are you happy with them? I mean, I obviously I follow. I'll follow them for the rest of my life. You know, whenever you play there, you have a 
kind of invested interest in it and want to see how they're doing. You know, I think that, um, you know, they just got to get back to having the right, you know, culture as far as, you know, hard work and kind of a defense first mentality that that's been missing the last couple of years. Um, you know, every one of our great teams, we were good defensively first. And I think they've gotten away from that. Um, but, you know, like I said, you know, they, they, they have a chance to have a really good team this year. So it's one year at a time and just see, see where they can go. But, you know, it's definitely with the exception of, you know, the, Cody Zeller year when they were really good. That was a lot of fun, fun to watch. I, I just looking forward to getting a team that's, you know, fun to watch and, and, uh, plays the right way. Do you still stay in contact with all your teammates when you played at IU? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Actually, this summer we had our, a reunion, the final four team, uh, in Bloomington. And it was the first time we were all together since that season. I think everybody made it back except Donald Perry. So, um, just having a whole weekend and going to dinner Friday night and playing golf Saturday. And, um, yeah, we definitely keep in touch. I definitely keep in touch with a lot of them. So it was a fun weekend to catch up and kind of tell stories and be with that whole group again. Uh, coach Davis also included in that. No, he didn't make it. He didn't make it back for that. None, yeah. none of the coach, none of the coaches really did. It was just all players. Did so. you feel, did you feel like uh, coach Davis got a raw deal? Um, I wouldn't say a raw deal, but, you know, he's definitely, I've still definitely kept in contact with him and, um, you know, are still really close with him as far as texting and keeping in contact. But, you know, at Indiana University, when you miss the tournament two years in a row, you know, you know what the consequences are going to be because of the level of the pass. So that's just a situation he came into and, you know, he, we definitely had great years and, wouldn't have made it to the championship game without him, you know, a hundred percent. So, um, but whenever it starts to take that downward spiral spiral, like it did, you know, it's, I wouldn't say a raw deal is the right word. I think it was just time for him to move on. 1998 Indiana, Mr. Basketball, Tom Coverdale has been joining us uh, for this hour. Tom, thank you so much for um, helping us keep the nostalgia alive and sharing your memories uh, with our audience. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me.